This is the Westbrook Community Church Sermon Series. Sunday, October 1, 2023. Part B, A Vision for Transformation. Pastor Kevin encourages to have a vision for our walk with Jesus. All right. I, I always say that a hairnet is a great equalizer because everybody looks bad in a hairnet. Okay? So... I'd encourage you to come. That's in uh, two weeks. Uh, that was last year's food pack, and, and uh, it's just a great event. What I love about it is that uh, 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 kids five years and older can uh, participate. So it's a great way to, to get your kids there and, and, and communicate with them uh, all the things that are happening around the world. So I'd encourage you to sign up for that. We already have a, a good sign up going for that. Well, uh, many of you know that, that my wife, Julie, uh, had a career uh, teaching English uh, and teaching uh, immigrants uh, how to, to learn and speak English. And she's retired, but she uh, still does that because she loves doing that. And she has a class here at church that meets on a Monday night. But she also is just kind of helping people one-on-one learn English, and she was doing that uh, on Monday, last Monday, and she had a couple f- from Russia who were just brand new to the United States. They didn't know any English at all, so she worked with them this first time, a- and then it was in the afternoon, she brought them into our office, and and she said, okay, I, I want this, I-, I want Dima and Alona to practice on you guys, and so we stopped what we were doing, and uh, and they haltingly worked through a, a real simple script, you know, that said, hello, my name is, uh, how are you today, I am fine, you know, goodbye, something like that, I don't know if it ended that way, but they, they worked through that process, and, uh, and, and they, uh, they did it well for their first time, and we applauded them, and and congratulated them, and, and then they went back with Julie and worked on some other things. And we were just uh, in the office. It was me and, and Heidi and, and Kim. And we were just marveling at the fact that, that these folks were trying to learn English and, and working on that. And we just thought, wow, that would be such a, a difficult task. And, of course, we're all Americans and, and and Americans don't speak a second language. And that's not true but for everybody. I think it's changing for the younger people. But traditionally, Mer- Americans don't do a, a second language. And, and it reminded me as we were talking about a joke that a Russian translator always told us. And she told us this frequently. And every time she just had a belly laugh about it. And, and she's was Russian, and we'd went over there for a couple trips, and her English was flawless, and we got to know her well. But she told the joke about, uh, you know, if somebody speaks three languages, what do you call them? Trilingual, right? Okay, if somebody speaks two languages, what do you call them? Okay, good, you're with me, bilingual. And then what do you call someone who speaks one language? American. That's right, you knew the joke, that's good. And she loved that joke. And it got me thinking about why don't we learn a second language? Why don't we do that? 
I mean, it isn't because we don't have the resources to do it. We've got all kinds of stuff on the radio and classes and material and curriculum. I don't think it's because Americans are dumber than the rest of the world. I don't think that's it. And I thought to myself, why is it that generally we don't learn another language? And the reason is because we don't have a vision about how another language could help us. We don't have a a preferable future to say, wow, if I learn that language, I could do this and this and this. You know, Dima and Alona, that couple from Russia, they have a vision about what learning English can do in their lives. You know, they, they moved over here and they think, wow, if we could learn English, we would have better job opportunities. We could help our kids with school. If we learned English, we could interact with the larger community in a way that's just not possible right now. If we could learn English, look what could happen. And because they have that vision of how their life can be better if they learn a language, they put themselves in environments to help them learn language. They connect with Julie, they meet with Julie, they're going to do other things that put them in environments to help them learn the language. But the motivation is that vision for a preferable future. Now, now we're concluding our series called Heartbeat. And we're talking about what's really the heartbeat of the church. And that first week we talked about how we want to focus and, and uphold and work to having lost people be found, found people growing, and growing people serving and contributing and being a blessing. And that's the heartbeat. We want to focus on those things. And we want to give our time and our energy and our best effort to those things. And last week we, we talked about just how do we grow? How do we develop? How, how does God transform us? And we talked about getting in the environment of, of connection. And how we got to be connected to God. We got to surrender to him and be connected to him because he's the vine and we're the branches. And as we're connected, growth happens. And we talked about how growth just happens when you get in the right environment. It happens with plants, with kids, with animals. And so we want to continue this discussion around these environments and how we grow. Because spiritual growth, spiritual transformation is a heartbeat here at the church. And we got to say, and we got to ask ourselves, do we really have a vision that, that God could change us? Do we really have a preferable future like Dima and Lona have our learned language, do we have a preferable future that says God could actually transform me? 
that, that God could actually take my selfishness and, and turn me into somebody who gets, is unselfish. Who reaches out and focuses on other people. Could, could God really change me so I don't fly off the handle when a difficult situation comes? I don't get angry. But, but I handle those difficult situations with calmness and with maturity. Could, could, could God actually change me so I'm not so angry about the people that have hurt me? So I could turn my unforgiveness toward them toward forgiveness and acceptance. Could, could God really change me like that? Do, do we really have a, a vision about how God could change us? And whatever your issue is, selfishness, lustfulness, arrogance, envy, greed, anxiety, whatever you struggle with, do we have a vision that, that says God could change me? He could transform me. He could do a work in my life. You see, because without that vision, without that idea in our heads, we won't be motivated to, to get into environments that change us, that grow us. I think a lot of us kind of have this idea of a miserable sinner Christianity. And miserable sinner Christianity says, you know, I, I can never change. I, I could never grow. I, I, I just am a miserable sinner and, and th there's no hope for me. And, and I'll just kind of manage my sin, maybe not let it get too out of control uh, until I die and, and, and then I'll go to heaven. And, and that mentality... It's not a biblical mentality. It's not what the Bible says. The, the Bible says that God wants to change us. That, that God wants to grow us. That God wants to transform us from one degree of glory to the next. And that takes time. And it's a process. And it doesn't happen overnight. But if we have a vision that God could actually change my bad habits that, that God could actually free me from what binds me up that God could actually work if we have that vision then we'll step in the places that will allow God to work and move we'll step into environments that will nurture and that will grow those areas where change is possible. And you got to say, well, well, what are those environments? Well, well the first environment that, that we need to step into if we really believe that God can change us and grow us is the environment of community. Now, now there's a great story in Acts 3 and 4. And it's about Peter and John the apostles and they go up to the temple in Jerusalem. 
And as they're walking up, there's a, a, a disabled man by the road begging for money. And, and uh, Peter stops him. And the guy's excited because he thinks Peter's going to give him some money. And Peter says, hey, I don't, I don't have any money to give you, but I'll give you what I have. And then he says, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. This guy is healed immediately. And he stands up and walk, and he is so fired up about him being healed that he goes around and tells everybody. And pretty soon there's a big crowd around Peter and John. And they tell people about Jesus. But, but it's such a big crowd, it's so raucous that the, the religious leaders are nervous that, that a riot's going to break out, <clears throat> that something's going to uh, impede their power. So they arrest Peter and John. And it's at the end of the day, and so they throw them in prison for a night, and then the next day they call them before the, the council of religious leaders. And they start interrogating them and saying, well, why are you doing this? And Peter and John give this bold and powerful message. They tell them about Jesus. They tell them, you crucified him, but God raised him from the dead, and he's the cornerstone of a new movement, and you guys are rejecting him. And the religious leaders were just blown away. They couldn't believe that they talked with such power and were so articulate. And, and, and so good. And, and they looked at him and go, wait a minute. These guys are just peasants. They're peasants from Galilee. They're not educated. They're not trained. How could they be doing this? You know, look what it says in Acts 4.13. Oh, I forgot about that verse. <laughs> 4.13 says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astounded, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And I think that's such a cool verse. They were just blown away that these unschooled, ordinary men could, could talk so well and so powerfully. And look at that last part. It says they took note that these men had been with Jesus. See, they realized that these men had been with Jesus and the other disciples and they were in community and that community changed them. That community changed them from unschooled, ordinary peasants to, to these people that, that could speak and talk and articulate the gospel. There was change that happened there. And in a community, God works change. And it's interesting because that's exactly what Jesus chose the 12 to be. Look, look what it says in Mark 3.14. It says, He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. So when at the very beginning he was choosing his disciples, he chose them primarily that they would be with him. That they would be this community of people that did life together. That supported, that encouraged each other. 
that built each other up. And in the context of that small community, change happened in their lives. Transformation happened. And you know what? It's the same way with us. If we really believe that God can change us, we'll get into small communities around Jesus. And in those communities, change can happen. In those communities, great things can happen. And the way we do that here at our church is through small groups. We do these small groups so people can be in community around Jesus. You know, walking the Christian life was never supposed to be a solo act. It was always meant to be done in the context of other believers. And as we step into those environments, as we step in to small groups in our church, great things can happen. The Holy Spirit can work. Change can be a part of that. It, it can happen. And if you notice on your chairs, we, we have a list of small groups just in this little flyer. And on the front are, are, are the groups that, three groups that already are, are, are ongoing and, and they're open to, to receiving more people. We have other groups that filled up quickly at the start of the year and, and uh, they're not taking anybody. And then on the back are all these new groups. And, and there's a couple groups that are short term so you can just get a taste of what it's like to be in a small group. Others are our longer term, I'd encourage you to, to look at those lists and to step in to a small community because it's in that community where change can, can happen, where we can, can learn and grow and be encouraged and built up and, and change can happen. Let's get back to Acts 3. So Peter and John gave this great explanation of who Jesus were. The the religious leaders were astounded. Then they couldn't figure out how to punish these guys. Because they knew that that everybody was so fired up about them healing this guy that if they punished him in any way, people would really be angry and revolt at him. So they just said, hey, don't talk about Jesus anymore. And and Peter and John goes, you know, we really can't do that. We got to do that. And they go, well, okay. And they just released them. They didn't know what else to do. They just released them. Well, it's so cool because Peter and John immediately went back to their community. Look what it says in Acts 4, 23. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So what Peter and John immediately do was go back to their community. They go back to that community that had been so significant to them. And they reported everything they did. And then they did something amazing. They prayed together. They they lifted each other up in prayer. And one of the great things we do in small groups 
is we pray for each other. We lift up issues. And as we pray for each other, there's just a power in that that happens. Look what happens in verse 31 after they prayed. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So they prayed and, and this place was just shaken. There's power when we get together with people that are close to us and, and pray with each other. There's power in that. And that's why we say after every service, hey, if you have a prayer need, go up and, and pray with these people. Because we believe that prayer is powerful. It changes us. And every small group that, that we have, we, we pray for each other. That's important. That works. It brings encouragement. It brings stability. It brings answers. And it brings change in our life as we pray for each other. And in these small communities, we want to be doing that. Because as we do that, it brings encouragement. There's a verse in Hebrews, Hebrews 3.13, that says this, it says, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I love that verse because we need encouragement daily. We leak, okay? We're like a balloon with just a tiny little hole in it, and we leak, and we need that encouragement of other people. And it says so, so that we won't be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The, the sin in our life, selfishness in our life, just has a way of hardening us. Having a, a way of, of us making bad choices. And, and we need the encouragement of each other. And, and that's why in this community context, there's power in encouragement. There's change available in encouragement. And if we really believe that God will change us, we'll step in to an environment of a small community. And I know many of you are already in those groups. And you can testify to that. But, but some of you haven't taken that step. I'd encourage you to do that. And I've talked to people and, and people have said, well, I tried small group and it was a disaster. It didn't go very well and I, I don't want to do that again. And, and I understand that. And, and, and there are some groups like that. But, but I always tell people, if you had a bad car, you wouldn't forsake driving anymore would you if you had a bad car if you had a lemon of a car what would you do you'd get another car right you'd figure it out but you wouldn't forsake driving anymore and i think it's the same way with small groups if you had a bad experience it's okay don't give up on the whole deal just find another small group one that you can connect with one that will make that happen. 
Because if we believe God will change us, we'll step in to that environment of community. Next, if, if we really have that vision that, that God will change us, we'll, we'll step into the second environment, and that's the environment of, of contribution. It's a sense that God has gifted me. God has given me skills and talents, spiritual gifts. And, and if I'm going to grow, I've I, I got to contribute. And it's in serving that spiritual growth happens. It's in serving that the change happens. It's when we say, hey, I'll step into service. When we do that, God works. God, God moves. God changes us. And so if we really believe God will change us, we'll step into that environment of service. You know, one time... His, Jesus and his disciples were walking along the road and the disciples were arguing about who the greatest was. I mean, could you imagine that argument? No, I, I really think I'm the greatest. No, 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 I am. And, and they were going back and forth arguing about this. I'm sure Jesus was rolling his eyes thinking, these guys, what am I going to do with these guys? Anyway, he kind of gets sick of their talking about it and he pulls them aside and he said, guys, that's how the world views leadership. That's how the world views leadership, and that's how their rulers lord it over people. He said, but with my kingdom, it's different. It's different. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you got to be a servant to all. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you got to serve. And then he ended... Uh, this passage with just a verse in, in, in Luke 10, 45. And he says this about himself. He said, for even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so as Jesus served us, he, he invites us to serve other people. And when we do, change happens. Growth happens. Transformation happens. And you're saying, well, there's just little things around the church that we need people to serve. How can that change us? Well, it changes us because when we serve, we're, we're most like Jesus. And spiritual growth is simply becoming more like Jesus. So as we contribute, as we step in, to being contributors, we're being more like Christ. We're being more like who he created us to be. And it's in that step that change happens, that growth happens, that we get the focus off ourselves and we serve other people. And as we step in that environment, That'll happen. And so many of you around here serve and you know what I'm talking about. You know the changes that happen in your life because you're serving. And if you haven't stepped into that, would you? 
Well, would you take a step in the service? Because God will change you when you do that. Just write it on your card. We'll help you find a place. But let us know. Because if we really believe, God can change us. We'll be intentional about stepping into these environments of community and contribution. Because that's our heartbeat of our church. And we're going to be talking about this on and on and on and just talking about people coming to faith, people growing in faith, people serving and contributing. It's who we are. And as we do this, the great news is God will change us and make us more like his son. And Jesus really served until the very end. I mean, that time before he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked the Father, he said, Father, is there any other way we can do this? And the Father said, no, there's no other way. And Jesus said, okay, uh, we'll do it your way and not mine. It'll be your will and not my will. And, and he served us by going to the cross, by dying, by taking that sin upon himself and by rising again. And we celebrate communion for us to remember that. We're forgetful people. We get busy with life and busy with what's just in front of us. And we need to be reminded frequently, hey, this is what Jesus did for you. He died, he rose again. So we could have new life. And so that's why we celebrate communion. And so just to prepare us for this communion experience, I just want to take a moment of silent prayer and just take some time and ask God what he'd have you do. Ask God where he's leading you. Maybe it's to get in a small group. Maybe it's to serve somewhere around here. Maybe it's to serve outside. But just take this moment to silence yourself and listen and prepare for our time of communion. Let's pray together.